Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to turn your attention again to, again to the gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. Begin reading at verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. I want to preach today with the help of the Holy Spirit and I solicit your prayers from the subject, three things about the name of Jesus. Would you say that with me? Three things about the name of Jesus. Now, there's so many other things that we could say about the name of Jesus. But today I want to focus our attention on just three things about the name of Jesus. After his mother Mary was betrothed, which means engaged to Joseph, before they came together, before they consummated the marriage, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, or meaning being a righteous man, a man who desired with all of his heart to please God, did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace. Not want to make a public spectacle of her, not wanting her to be ashamed or disgraced in any way. Now, as a matter of historical record, and to help us better understand the predicament Joseph and Mary faced, I want to share with you three steps that occurred in a Jewish marriage. First, the two families agreed to the union. It's not like it is today, where boy meets girl, young man meets young lady, and they decide they want to get married, and they go home and they tell the te- their parents, grandparents, goddess, whoever, we have decided to get married. Amen. It didn't work that way. The, family were, were, the families were involved in the process, in the selecting of a mate. Second, a public announcement was made. At this point, the couple was pledged to be married or betrothed. This was similar to what we call today the engagement period, except for the fact that that betrothal could not be broken except by death or divorce. So it was none of this, we're engaged today and we're calling the engagement off tomorrow. In order to get unengaged or unbetrothed, it had to be by death or by divorce. The, the, The couple 
third, the couple was married, and then they began to live together. But because Mary and Joseph were engaged, Mary's apparent unfaithfulness to Joseph carried a severe social stigma. According to Jewish law, the authorities could have stoned her even during this betrothal period because they perceived that she had been unfaithful to Joseph. So it was, remember, Joseph being a just man, being a righteous man, being a compassionate man, sought to sought a way to spare Mary this public humiliation and even death. But while he was contemplating, while he was theorizing, while he was strategizing his next move to fix the situation, verse 20 tells us, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus. Notice not Joseph Jr., but you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. There is something about the name of Jesus. Now, what the angel did for Joseph at this point was to give him God's perspective of his situation. Are you following me? The angel intervened in Joseph's life and gave him God's viewpoint, God's vantage point of his predicament. You see, Joseph was looking through the eyes of human perception like we do oftentimes. When things come our way, we look through the eyes of human perception. We look through the lenses of human understanding. But the angel helped Joseph look through the lenses of God's purpose in his situation. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, Joseph. And my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts, Joseph, are much higher than your thoughts. So says Isaiah 53, 8 and 9. So the issue here for Joseph is I want you to come up to my way of thinking Because if you remain horizontal with your way of thinking, you will see the situation from a skewed standpoint and you will mess up everything. So I need you now to see it from my 
perspective. In other words, I need you to see life from a vertical perspective instead of a horizontal perspective. Footnote. Whenever complexities of life confront us, our number one objective should be to seek God's perspective on the matter. Not CNN's perspective, not ABC's perspective, not NBC's perspective, not everybody else's perspective, but our number one objective when complexities face us in life is to seek God's perspective on the matter. It may be baffling. It may be bewildering. It may be puzzling. It may be perplexing. It may be mind-boggling. It may be chaotic. It may be confusing. It may be outlandish. It might be outrageous. It might be surprising. Or it may even be suspect. But no matter what it is, this message of Christmas reminds us to get God's perspective on the matter. God, what is it you're saying? God, what is it you're doing? God, I can only see a piece of the puzzle, but you see the complete puzzle, so help me see what you see. And so when Joseph got God's perspective from the angel, Notice he went on about his business. He went on about his business. People can say whatever they want to say. They can think whatever they want to think. They can think that Mary and I have been involved. I know they haven't, but that really doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what God thinks and knows. You see, when God weighs in on our condition. When God provides guidance for our circumstances, when God gives directions to our dilemmas, public opinions, private observations, and people's personal assessments, evaluations, obstinates, or objections don't amount to a hill of being. Reminds me of when I first got married. I was just starting out as a young preacher and uh, had a wedding date set for June, but I was anxious to get married, so we moved it up to February. And as soon as we did, uh, moved it up to December. Thank you, sweetheart. (laughs) We moved it up to December, and in the process, my wife started getting sick. So there were all kind of speculations. And even in my mind, I'm saying, God, what am I, how am I going to explain this? I've tried to be a faithful servant. I've done the right thing. What are people going to say? What are people going to say about my ministry and about this young preacher moving his wedding date up so suddenly? Through the process, God weighed in, gave us his perspective. And said, don't you worry, I've got everything under control. Nine months to the day, my son was born. Ain't God all right? You got to get God's perspective 
on the map. When Joseph came to the realization that what was happening in his life and in Mary's life came from God, that it was God's will, God's bill, God's prerogatives, God's purpose, he went on his way rejoicing. That's what Christmas reminds us. Go on your way, rejoice, and get God's perspective and go on. Why? Because God is the master builder. God has the, the plan. God is sovereign control. God has the blueprint in his hands. The blueprint of our lives are in God's hands, not ours. Notice verse 22. So all this was done. Don't miss that. So all this was done. It was a done deal. So all this was done. God was in control all alone. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God is with us. Joseph, you can't see it, but God is up to something big in your life. Just stay in the process. You do what you do and, let, and watch God do what he does. Then Joseph, being aroused, the Bible said, from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home at his wife as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. There is something about the name Jesus. Verses 24 and 25 reveal that Joseph woke from his sleeping, obeyed God, took Mary home to be his wife, but had no physical union with her until she brought forth her son, Firstborn, name him Jesus. Now, almost any name we hear brings to mind something other than the name that's called. For example, names like Herod, Hitler, Mussolini, and Stalin bring to mind cruelty, dictatorship, and atheism. Names like Joshua, David, Alexander, and Napoleon brings to mind military conquest. Demosthenes stands for elegance. Beethoven, Beethoven stands for music. Picasso, when we hear that name, we think about paintings. And when we hear the name Maya Angelou, we think about poetry. We hear the names Abigail, we think about beauty, and when we think about Esther, we think about bravery, going to the king, and if I perish, I perish. But there's a name that is higher than every other name. That name is the name of Jesus, whom we celebrate his birth as Christmas. At the sound of that name, one day, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now, throughout the annals of biblical history, we find that Jesus is called by different names. Some called him rabbi. Some called him teacher. Some called him the Christ, the Messiah, Sage of the world. 
Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Some even today call him the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. Some call him friend. They say, I know Jesus. He is a friend of mine. Some call him comforter when I'm down in spirit, when I'm troubled. He is my comfortable comforter. When I can't call on anybody else, I can call on the name of Jesus. And somehow or another, he brings comfort into my life. Some call him helper. When I'm in trouble and there's no place else to go, my backup is against, up against the wall. I call on Jesus. He is my helper in times of trouble. Some say he's my strength when I've given out all that I can give, when I feel like I can't go another step, when I can't even make it the distance. Jesus is my strength. Some just simply say Jesus. They call him my all in all. There are three things about Jesus I want to, the name of Jesus I want to share with you today, and then I'm done. First, the name of Jesus is the way God saves sinners. You see, regardless of what folk tell you, and regardless of how much fun people appear to be having in life, eating, drinking, making merry, a life without Jesus is a sad and miserable existence I've been on that side I know and so have most of you no matter what it looks like no matter how much fun you seem to be having deep down inside there's a loneliness that a emptiness that only Jesus can fulfill so don't let people fool you don't let the lights fool you don't let, it, don't, don't let them fool you. Deep down inside, they are lonely. They are hurting. They, they are seeking. Their soul is seeking the Savior. A Christless life is a life without a compass. People don't know where they're going, and they don't know how they're going to get there. And as, as one of my professors in, at Benedict College told us in class, as a freshman class, she said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. A Christless life is a life without a compass. It's like a ship without a, a sail. No direction. Whichever, wherever, whichever way the winds blow and the, the waves blow, that's where that life goes. It is an unhappy life of straying feet and a condemning conscience, as one commentator put it. But that's not all. It gets worse. It gets worse. Why? Because every single solitary person who resists, rebuffs, and rejects Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior will spend an eternity in hell separated from God. So those that are living it up, those that seem to have it all, those who reject God, that is as good as it's going to get. It's all downhill from here. 
for those who know Jesus. Every day is brighter than the day before. You see, those who stand before God on judgment day without the benefit of having accepted the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross as complete payment for their sins will experience the full-blown wrath of God in hell forever and ever and ever. That's the message. But, But you know what? Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Here's something to shout about. Here's why we ought to be excited at Christmas time. This, 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 this ought to get, our, this ought to get our, our motors really turning. Jesus Christ came down to earth from heaven, was born in a manger, lived a sinless life, died a mortar's death, was buried in a borrowed tomb, rose early on the third day Sunday morning with all power in his hands. He died for one purpose and one purpose alone was to save sinners just like you and I. That is the good news of Christmas. And, and you know the thing about it? That was his number one, number one choice. And, 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 and God had, on, had only one choice for salvation. It was Jesus. And there is no plan B. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So says Acts 4 and 12. That's the message of Christ. Jesus is the reason for the season. Listen, listen, listen. This is exciting. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Hang all the mistletoe. Jingle bells. I'll be home for Christmas. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Frosty the snowman. As well as all of the presents under the tree have their place. I enjoy that. I enjoy hearing about Rudolph. I enjoy singing Jingle Bells. I enjoy my presence under the tree. Nothing wrong with that. That has its place. But the, but the, but the message of Christmas is this. Jesus is the icon. Jesus is the citadel. Jesus is the epitome of Christians because he saved sinners from their sins. He saved you and he saved me. So enjoy all of the trimmings, but just remember Jesus is the reason. Help me somebody for the season. Second, the name of Jesus is the way God soothes the sorrowful. You see, sorrow is universal. It is a ground leveler and a common denominator among humanity. All of us have that in common. At some point or another in life, we will experience sorrow. Sooner or later, everybody will experience sorrow of one kind or another. Sometimes sorrow comes through notification of death. Sometimes sorrow comes through the loss of a relationship or relationships. 
Sometimes sorrow comes through the loss of employment, the loss of homes, the loss of investments or retirement funds or other personal properties. Sometimes sorrow is a result of failing health or age-related concerns. Yet no matter how what no matter what shape, form, or fashion it comes, suffering is a present day reality. Sorrow will come. But now it's interesting to know how people cope with sorrow. Have you ever thought about that? Some attempt to drown their sorrows in the bottle. We're familiar with that. Even that terminology. Some people attempt to deal with sorrow by by, uh, burying themselves in work, at work. Some people use hobbies. Some people use movies. Some people try to escape sorrow and sadness through television or other media-related activities, all in an attempt to escape the reality and find relief, although temporary, from the sorrows of life. Yet all the comfort you and I will ever need is found in Jesus. Emmanuel. God is with us. He is the real source of our comfort. Not the bottle, not illegal drugs, not illicit sexual activities, not all kinds of other entertainment, but Jesus is the real source of our comfort. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13 and 5. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and and you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest from your sorrows. So says Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, for my yoke is easy. My burdens is light. Life is tough. Life is complicated. Life sometimes is confusing. Life sometimes is chaotic. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, I am a burden bearer. If you got sorrows, lay them on me, I can handle it. If you got trouble, lay them on me, I can handle it. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives you, do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Never let it be afraid. John 14, 27. The name of Jesus is our source of peace. In the troubling world, a world gone mad with conflict, chaos, and confusion. And I said to our congregation at Bible study on Wednesday that we ought to be rejoicing as Christians. We ought to be living it up. People at the workplace, at school, ought to see us not with our heads hung down, but with our heads up high. And when they ask us the reason. We can tell them it's all about Jesus. 
Why am I not consumed by sorrows, by what I hear and what I read? Why? Because of Jesus. The disciples of Jesus experienced his peace in the midst of sorrow while in a boat one day at a, one, uh, in a boat at sea doing a raging storm. The storm unsettled them. The storm caused them like storms in our lives caused us to fear. The storms drew, drove them into a state of sheer terror, like storms in our lives. When stuff unravels, when things happen that we can't control, when we can't put things together, like Humpty Dumpty on the wall, fell off the wall, and all the king's horses and all of the king's men tried desperately, but they could not put Humpty together again. Sometimes the pieces of life fall like that for us. The harder we try to put them in place, the more they seem to come apart. The harder we try to ravel it, the more it unravels. That's where the disciples were. They were in sheer, sheer terror. But in the midst of the storm, help me somebody. They called on Jesus. The sweet name of Jesus. They called on Jesus. And, and, and Jesus, the Bible says, rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. Trouble in our way. We ought to call on Jesus. The Bible says there was a, a great calm. Jesus soothes the disciples' sorrows to the point that they marveled. And in Matthew 8, 27, they said to one another, what manner a man is this? That even the winds and the, 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 the sea obey him when we call on him in our sorrow we will have to say as well what manner of man is this Jesus even the winds and the wane and the waves the tumultuous waves of life obey him and you know the, the remarkable thing about him that, that, that sometimes Jesus doesn't even calm the sea around us. Sometimes he just calms us. I know I'm right about it. Sometimes he just calms us and everything around us is falling apart. And yet he calms us. Third and finally today, the name of Jesus is the way God strengthens the servants. As both Mary and Joseph would soon discover, being obedient service to God would be a challenging venture. The road from Bethlehem to Calvary would be full of critical and unappreciative people. Their road would be difficult and demanding. They would encounter doubts and despair. Their decisions would be misunderstood and their motives would be questioned. They would flee to Egypt, then back to Jerusalem in order to escape the sword of Herod, who gave the order to kill all new males two years old and younger. Life for them would be no crystal staff. 
Yet through it all and in spite of it all, the name of Jesus strengthened them for their journey. So it is with us. You and I, my brothers and sisters in Christ, life is a series of mountains and valleys. Days of joy, days of sorrow. I've done many weddings as a pastor. Days of joy. I've done many funerals as a pastor. Days of sorrow. There will be days of sunshine. Days of rain. Yet service of God can go to the bank of heaven each and every day and make a draw from Jesus. And whenever you go to the bank of heaven and draw, withdraw from Jesus, you will never find insufficient funds. We can draw from the bank of heaven. We can draw from Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. Why can't we draw from Jesus? Well, what can we draw, rather, from Jesus? We can draw love. In the times when human love waxes cold all around us, when families in some cases are no more and friends turn their back on you, when props are gone, when pillars disappear, and when people let you down, you can draw on Jesus, count on Jesus, lean on, lean on Jesus, and depend on Jesus. Well, we can draw hope in times of hopelessness. When him writer put it like this, he said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but Holy lean, oh Jesus' name, on oh Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Jesus is my hope when all around my soul gives way. Jesus is still all my hope and stay. We can draw on joy. God's unspeakable joy in the times of sorrow. Joy, joy down in my soul. This joy that I have in Christ. This joy that you have in Christ. This joy that we have. The world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. Listen, I don't care how much Congress fights and Senate fights. I don't care how much they fight. They cannot take our joy. This joy. And that when we go out, folks ought to see the joy of Jesus in us. This joy. When they ask you, what is your joy all about? You ought to say, this joy that I have. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. Economic times can't take it away. Tumultuous political times cannot take it away. We can draw a peace. From the Prince of Peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. The hymnologist penned it like this. When peace like a river. Attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou has taught me to say. It is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. The name of Jesus tells us at this Christmas, it is well. 
No matter what you're facing, it is well. No matter how sick you are, it is well. No matter how many gifts under the tree, it is well. Who stands with you or whoever turns their back on you, it is well. Well, well. The name of Jesus says it's well with my soul. Yeah. 